You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Well, we're going to read uh, from Matthew chapter 5. This is the passage we're studying uh, over this eight-week series called Blessed. So have you got your Bibles with you? The paper ones still work. Electronics good. If you didn't bring that, feel free to watch up on the screen. And Frankie, the legend at the back, is going to take us through there. How many people appreciate Frankie? And our tech team, and our musicians, and our dream team. Come on, it's so amazing just to see the incredible people that uh, give of themselves every single week to, to love and serve and bless people. So uh, I so appreciate our dream team and those that uh, serve every single week. So Let's read Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain. This is Jesus. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were, with, who were before you. Let's pray together as we study God's Word. Father, we thank You. Thank You, Lord, for this intriguing and challenging passage of Scripture. Lord, to read this, it seems so contradictory to hear some of these words and phrases and to think that we are blessed. But God, we thank You that Your level of blessing, Your understanding of blessing is different to the world. And Lord, we live in the world, but we're not of it. Lord, we are a people who are set apart because of what you've done in our lives. And so, God, I thank you for the opportunity today to learn some more from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we continue our series called Blessed. And we talked about the fact that the word blessed, it's a phrase that's used in our, in our society today. I'm blessed. We think about being blessed. We think about an increase, an increase in money, a, a better house, a better car, a better job, a better relationship. We think we're blessed. And we speak about the blessing as something that is increased in our life. But it's no surprise when we read this passage that Jesus has another take on what it means to truly be blessed. As God declared in Genesis 12 verse 3, those who follow him would not only be blessed, but they would bless the world around them. And that is our heart, that out of the series we would understand what it means to be blessed by God. That we would live a life that people go, I want to have a little bit of what you've got. I want to understand God like you seem to understand. And it's actually in the depth of despair and discouragement and, and disappointment that we actually find a hope that we couldn't find in anything in the world. We learned last week the word blessed is the word makarios, which means a deep inner happiness, a deep genuine sense of blessedness, a bliss the world cannot offer. It's, it's a blessedness. It's, a, it's an understanding that regardless of my circumstance, I might be having, look, some of us might be in the middle of the worst possible moment in your whole entire life, and you can still be in the blessing of God. Hard to understand, hard to fathom, but God's blessing is not dependent on our 
physical circumstance. It's a state of heart and mind, connecting our hearts and our minds to the truth of God's Word. So this morning, we're going to look at the second attribute of being blessed. Are you ready? Blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. It's like, where do we go with this one? (laughs) This is not an easy one to preach, is it? Not an easy one to accept as a follower of Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We talked last week about the fact that Jesus is in the happiness business. He desires to bring a happiness, a strength, a depth of understanding. And yet we read here today that Jesus also says, Blessed are you if you mourn. Anyone experienced mourning before? Deep grief, the pain, the horror, the deep despair of mourning. And Jesus says, you will be blessed if you experience this because I'm going to comfort you. I will bring you comfort. Everything in our world or advertising today is all about happiness, right? It's pleasure. Seek the pleasure. Chase the pleasure. Do all you can. Even, even to a certain degree, we, some people endure a 48 to 49 week a year job so that they can have three fleeting weeks of holiday. Only to, to mourn the fact that you've, you know, in week two, you're going, oh, I've got to go back to work again. <laughs> See, we, 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 we're trying to fill our hearts and our lives and, with these experiences of happiness. And yet most of us have also experienced the deep pain and sorrow of loss. And Jesus says, I'll give you comfort for this you experience this, if, if you would allow yourself to experience what it means to mourn, I will bring comfort. Comfort to take away the pain of losing a loved one, a, a job, our reputation, the things that, that we hold on to dearly. When we lose those things, Jesus says, it's okay that you mourn because I will bring comfort. I wonder if you've ever felt like David King David in Psalm 55, he's reflecting on the betrayal of someone close to him. Ever been let down by somebody? Ever, ever been betrayed by somebody? That deep feeling of hurt and anguish is like, why would they do that to me? We, when those feelings are so real, are so raw. And, and, and this is what David says. He says, my heart is in anguish within me. Have you felt that before? The terrors of death have fallen, fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Have you ever wished you could escape the pain of being human? It's like today would be a good day if I wasn't here. It would be better if I wasn't here. Some of us have even felt those thoughts. People would be better off if I wasn't here. Can I tell you, we wouldn't be. We would not be better off. None of us would be better off. When somebody says, it's my time to go, God holds the clock. It's His timing, His plan, His purpose. Even the pain, there is purpose within it. There's a desire in us sometimes to be transported to this place where comfort would be found. And yet the deeper the pain, the deeper the grief, the deeper the sorrow, the more elusive that comfort seems to be. There's probably people here today, maybe you are numb from the pain of the grief that you felt. Maybe you're deep in the middle of it right now. Jesus is saying, I will bring comfort 
but you have to mourn. We have to mourn. It's a part of who we are as human beings. We, we, we must get used to the process of mourning when we need to, when we're asked to, when God says, now's time to mourn. We're allowed to. Jesus says, not only are you blessed, but I will give you comfort. In listening to messages and commentaries, um, John MacArthur um, teaches that there's, there's nine different verbs that speak about this word mourning. I'm not going to do all nine, but I, I want to focus on a few this morning to describe that emotion, that feeling of mourning. That's a lot of descriptive words for, for something that we would think we understand. And the deeper I've gone into this series, the, the more I've realized that the, the deep, heartfelt emotion that God allows us to feel is actually for a good reason. It either takes us away from God where we run and we hide, or it makes us fall on our knees before a Savior who can save us and bring us comfort. What would it do for you today? So I want to pick on a couple of these areas this morning, and I want to talk about three types of mourning. There's a healthy mourning, a healthy, natural mourning process. There's an ungodly mourning, which we're going to talk about today. And then there's a godly mourning. And that's the mourning that Jesus is specifically speaking about in this passage. So let's talk about healthy mourning, the mourning over loss. When a loved one dies, it's so natural and normal for us to, to mourn, to grieve. Sometimes we can even feel guilty in that process of mourning process of mourning. We, we, we go, should I? Should I be feeling this? Yeah, it's okay. You should. Let grief take the fullness of the process. Don't, don't hold it back. Don't, don't feel like you've got to contain it. Allow grief to be a place that you go. I would hope and I pray and I, I see it shifting, even in our own community here, that this is a place where people can come and actually say, how you doing? And not give it a, yeah, good, good, good and you. You know, which means whoop, mask up. Come on, this is the place we can take our masks off. We can actually say to somebody, and I'm not suggesting you say it to everybody. You pick your moment, you pick your person. But if we could walk into this place and someone says, how are you doing? I'm having the worst week of my life. That the response wouldn't be, oh, not, not quite sure what to do with that. <laughs> it's like, I was expecting that standard, I don't have to commit to a conversation response of, you know, good, good, and you, good, you know, and off you walk, and everyone pretends that everything's okay. Actually, we, we need to be okay with those conversations that says, you know what, I'm not doing so well today. And we might sit down at a coffee table and have a little cry with somebody because that's just what they need. Would we be that people that would bring comfort and sit with others? I remember when my Omar died. Just a few years ago, she was the only grandparent that I ever knew. I was 18 months when my other grandparents passed away. I feel so blessed our children, they, they have both sets of grandparents still alive. Many have not experienced the, the love and joy of having a grand, grandparent. And I remember when my Omar died, she, she prayed for me every single day of my life, without fail. Every single day she prayed for me. She prayed for Amy, she prayed for our kids. And I felt that loss when she, when she went. But the first few days after she went, I was numb. And, and, and I expected this like outpouring of grief and sorrow, and, and I, I wasn't feeling it. I had all these mixture of feelings, like, did I, do I not miss her? Do, was she not as valuable as I thought she was? Why am I not crying? But I, but I, I, I said, God, I'm going to feel whatever I need to feel in this moment. 
It was about three days later. I was sitting in my office. I can't remember whether I was preparing a message. And I just started weeping. It was like the force that went from a little trickle to full stream. And out it came. Do you know how healing that was? To allow that grief to come up. You know, grief is, is kind of like that pressure valve that gets released. You, you ever cook with a, crop pot or with a pressure cooker? And it's, it's, it's going, if you don't release that pressure, it's a fun science experiment. One I wouldn't recommend, but, but this is the reality. Sometimes we, we, we choke grief. We actually, we actually close it up. And man, we're the worst. Come on, man. Have a cry. It's good for you. It's actually good to let it out. A natural release. It's like that poison that, that you know, sometimes just a good old scalpel, just, just release it. Get that pus out, yeah? Just, there's an image I can leave you with. Hey! But you know what, as parents, I, I think we've got to allow our kids to, to cry, to grieve, to mourn. You know, I've, I've got to be so careful. I'm not, stop crying, just stop crying. Stop crying. You know, we can go there as parents, can't we? And, and you know, sometimes the tears are not reasonable. and that, that, you know, that, that, they're not, They shouldn't really be crying. But, but maybe they are feeling the loss. Maybe they are grieving something that they just need to let it go. Maybe we're better off just to go, you need a hug? I've tried that one. It works so much better than telling them not to cry. Well, sit down, get in the muck with them. Yeah, Sit on the ground and you need a, you need a hug. <laughs> And they have a cry, and, and the conversations that follow after that are so much different than the one, just stop crying. Maybe your method of that works for you, it hasn't for me. Ask the average male about grief, and we go, oh, just get over it, mate. Toughen up. Chin up, head back. Shoulders back. Charge on, let's go. Put the mask up pressure cooker in the meantime that pressure keeps growing keeps growing keeps growing and then something happens we blow up we destroy those around us because we haven't allowed grief to come out as it should now let me remind you we have a savior who knew how to grieve jesus when lazarus's friend died if you want to learn one verse in the bible the easiest verse of all John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. There you go. You can say, I know a verse from the Bible. Jesus wept. Just two words. He didn't, didn't you know, it wasn't sad. It wasn't, it wasn't sorrow. Jesus wept. When I hear wept, that, that's a whole different thing even to Jesus cried. Weep means to pour out that grief. Jesus wept for the loss of a friend. And Jesus knew where Lazarus was going. Jesus knew that his, his eternity with him would be secure, that he'd see him in paradise. Jesus had all of that understanding, being God, fully God and fully human. He, had, he understood all of that, and yet he still allowed himself to feel that process of grief. Friends, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Another type of healthy mourning we see in Scripture is mourning through discouragement, disappointment, and also devotion. Ever felt like you can't continue on? It's like, just, I don't feel like I can go on today. I think Timothy felt that in the New Testament. I think that's why Paul wrote, writes to him in 2 Timothy. 
saying how much he longs to see him and with tears he remembers him. He acknowledged the tears even that Timothy cried. Jeremiah cries in the ninth chapter of Jeremiah. He weeps for the nation of Israel for the judgment that's, that's about to come. He was known as the weeping prophet. I've been called the weeping pastor. I'll wear that. I'll take that one. In the New Testament, we see tears of devotion as a woman acknowledging the depth of, the, of, of a saving from, a, from, from Jesus. She breaks open this alabaster box with this perfume, this ointment, worth so much money, a year's wage, and she pours that all over Jesus' feet, and she wipes his feet with her hair and with the tears of devotion. Those tears are good. God's okay that we mourn. We must embrace that. Ecclesiastes 4.4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Friends, to grieve, to mourn is a healthy part of being a disciple of Christ, but we don't stay there. We don't remain in that place. You know, one of my heroes in the faith is a woman called Yvonne Carr, sitting right there in the second row. I'll, I'll choke up on this one. Because this year... Well, this week, we remember Papa Jeff went to be with the Lord. An amazing man of God, a great friend, a dear friend of mine. Left Yvonne. It was like, well, that wasn't the plan, was it? It wasn't what we hoped. It wasn't what we thought would happen. And Yvonne, she mourned. She grieved. These days, she still feels lonely. Wishes he was here. I do too. And yet, she didn't shrink back. She mourned. She let it all out. She'll let some more out in the years to come. But she said, I'm still living for purpose. This morning, she found comfort in her Savior. And that, that, that mourning process, we can still find comfort from the one who gives that promise. We honor you, Yvonne. We honor the life that you live, the way you served alongside Jeff, and the way you continue to serve the Lord with all of your heart. Can we honor Yvonne today? But, you know, sadly, friends, there's also a, a mourning, a sorrow that is not godly. In fact, it's ungodly. You know, where do we see that? Numerous passages within the Bible. We see someone like Amnon who, 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 who grieved and pouted because he didn't get what he wants. He was in love with his sister, which was wrong. It was ungodly. And that mourning and that grief and that sorrow, he, he, he did a despicable act to her, raped her. Because there's, there's, God, there's ungodly sorrow, there's grieving that he felt. King Ahab, he wanted the vineyard of Naboth. So he pouted like a kid that couldn't get a chocolate biscuit. He cried, oh, I'm not getting what I want. So he goes and has Naboth killed. We see that with King David. David mourns Absalom, who his army had been spending their lives, giving their lives to save and restore the honor of his kingdom. And, and David's like, oh, I miss Absalom. Joab, his, his commander-in-chief, says, you would be happier if Absalom was alive rather than these men who have given their lives for you. See, we can have an ungodly 
morning when we're longing for something that was not ours to have. And if we find ourselves in that place of grief and mourning for that thing, that is a mourning that will never get comfort. You will never find comfort in that place of mourning. But then something shifts from that ungodly to the godly. See, some of you may know the story of, of King David. King David, he, he saw Bathsheba. He, he lusted after her, went and took her into his life. They had sex. They ended up having a child. And David tries to cover up his sin. Like he's, 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 he's mourning. He's going, this is not a good situation. So he covers the whole thing up. In fact, Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, ends up losing his life because of David's deception. So David's confronted. Nathan the prophet. Now, this would have been a terrifying moment for Nathan. Comes and he says, can I tell you a story, King David? There was a man. He, 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 he had lots and lots of sheep. He was rich. He had everything he needed. A traveling man, a traveling visitor comes and he, he, he needs to feed this man. So rather than taking the sheep that he should have from his own flock, he goes and takes the one sheep, the only sheep of a poor family. David's incensed. He's like, because David knew the law. David understood. And I, about eight years ago, God showed me this, this passage. Because David says, this man should pay back four times the amount that he took. Because that was the law. You steal something, you pay back four times the amount. When you look at David's family, you look at the experiences of his family, four of his children either experienced a horrific experience or death. So Tamar was raped. Amnon committed that horrific act and then was murdered. And we see Absalom murdered. And then David even lost the child with Bathsheba. Almost as though David pronounced his own judgment on himself. Fortunately, we are, we are in, a, in a season and an era where God's grace is rich and full and mercy for each one of us. We, we don't stay in this place if we choose to have godly mourning. And I want to focus on this as, for the last few minutes we've got as the team come this morning. Mourning the impact of our sin. This is what Jesus is talking about. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When we mourn the impact of the sin in our lives, Jesus says, at that place, you're going to find comfort. Have you ever felt the guilt and condemnation of, of, of your sin? I remember as a young child, mum made these biscuits. I've told the story before. Uh, probably a, a number of years ago, mum made these beautiful biscuits with, with lollies on top. She said, it's for your birthday, Mike, don't eat them. No one's allowed to touch the biscuits. And you know, me being the good child I am, I totally ignored it. Fortunately, there are a couple of good kids in the house, one of them sitting here, Rachel. Give us a wave, Rachel, my sister. She, she was the righteous one in the family, not, not so me. And so, so I, I just went and took one, and then I took another, and she probably doesn't even remember the story because she wasn't guilty. But this one lives on in my, in my memory. And, and I remember just taking one, and then I went back and took another and took another, and then I looked and I realized there weren't many left on the cookies. So mum found out, did the police line up? Well, this is how I remember it anyway. 
older brother Sam, myself and Rachel. Who took the lollies? Yeah. Now, obviously, Rachel and Sam, they were like, I don't know. They weren't guilty. No condemnation on them. But inside, I'm going, oh, I know I did it. Now, I, I found out later that mum knew. Now, mum's always known. <laughs> but what was interesting is that, that mum didn't call me out in that moment. Maybe she allowed the work of the Holy Spirit in my life to convict me of sin. Because that's his role. That's his purpose. To convict the world of our sin. I don't remember how long it was, but it felt like an eternity. I knew I was wrong with mom. I knew I was wrong with God. I knew I was in sin. That guilt and that condemnation, that ungodly sorrow was stirring in me. And then I came clean. Mom, I'm so sorry it was me. She goes, I know. I know the weight of condemnation that lifted off my shoulders in that moment. There were some consequences. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but there is a godly sorrow that leads to the comfort of God. Let me read 2 Corinthians 17. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. We see this in David's mourning where he's trying to find comfort in, in the sin. He's trying to cover things up, and then it, it moves from this place of ungodly. In, in fact, Psalm 51 is such a, a, a precious piece of Scripture that takes us from this place of ungodly mourning and sorrow to this place of true repentance and godly sorrow. We see in, in the psalm the depravity of sin and God's need to judge sin. He's a just God. He's a good God and He's a just God. Sin will not be left unpunished, but grace tells us that, that the, the weight of judgment doesn't fall on me or you. It falls on His Son, Jesus. Jesus says, I'll take the weight of that burden of my sin. Jesus says, I will die in your place. Though you are deserving of death, Mike, I'll take your place. But there's a godly sorrow that must take place for us to receive that comfort. You know, some of the words that David used at the beginning of the psalm, he says, my guilt consumes me. It haunts me day and night. Come on, have you had those nights of torment where your sin eats you up? There is no rest. There is no comfort from that. But then there's a shift. There's a godly sorrow that leads produces in him repentance. Repentance simply means to be heading one direction and then to turn and go the other way. And in that place, he receives the comfort. This is what he says, Create in me a new clean heart, O God. Fill with clean thoughts and right desires. Don't toss me aside. Banish forever from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That would have been the worst thing for David, that he would lose the relationship he has with Holy Spirit. A holy God does not tolerate sin, but a humble heart. A heart that recognizes its depravity and mourns for the state of its sin. That's a heart Holy Spirit will comfort. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation 
and make me willing to obey you. And I love verse 13. Then I will teach your ways to other sinners and they, guilty like me, will repent and turn to you. So when I repent, when I go through that process of of, of trusting my life back into God's hands again, other people will benefit from it. Others will find comfort in the arms of Jesus because I was prepared to go to that place of mourning for my sin. So we can conclude that godly sorrow produces repentance, which then leads to salvation. Friends, here's the good news. We don't stay in the place of godly sorrow. We can find comfort in Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I love it in Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3. Jesus is speaking out of the passage. Well, this is the passage He speaks about in Luke. And this is the passage in Isaiah. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort, listen, all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And again, I love this promise that goes after this. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Our mourning, the grieving of our sin will lead to being planted as oaks of righteousness where people would see us they'll look at our lives they'll recognize it wasn't you it was glory of God friends we must mourn we must be okay with mourning grieving I want to leave you with this thought that the amplified version of Matthew 5 4 it says blessed forgiven refreshed by God's grace are those who mourn over their sins and repent. So the mourning, the godly mourning, the sorrow that repents of my sin, for they will be comforted when the burden of sin is lifted. There is no greater moment in our lives than when we realize that our sins have been forgiven. Sin's a big deal. It destroys everything it touches. My life was, uh, there's this constant wrestle with sin, but I was just talking to a a guy earlier today. So I'm just waking up every day saying, God, I surrender myself to you again. And if I've got to grieve some sin today, it's good. Because that godly sorrow is going to produce in me a repentance that says, God, I don't want to stay in this place. I want to find the comfort that comes from the joy of my salvation. Friends, today, if you find yourself in this place, wondering where you're at with God. If you look at your life and you think about the things that you've done and the things you've said and, and, and the, the way you've treated people and, and you go, well, there's something in me. I know I haven't lived right. That's a repentance that God is doing in you. There's a godly sorrow that is working out in your life right now and it's, and it's producing repentance. What do we do with that repentance? We give it to God. We, we, we come humbly before God and say, God, Forgive me. Forgive me for living life my own way. Forgive me for my sin. 
I'm sorry. I don't want to live like that anymore. I need your help. I need your salvation. I need to be saved. The promise of Matthew 5, 4 is blessed are those who mourn over the state of their sin. For they will be comforted when their sin is removed from them. Friends, today is a special day for some people. As your sins are forgiven, that guilt of weight of guilt and condemnation will come off you onto the cross that Jesus has already paid for. And you receive the gift of forgiveness and freedom from that guilt and condemnation. And you walk not with that heaviness, but with a lightness of the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, today is Pentecost Sunday. A beautiful day in our church calendar. Christmas was God with us. I heard this earlier from J. John. Easter was God for us. Pentecost is God in us. One of the main roles, the focus of Holy Spirit is to be our comforter. Jesus says, I'm going. I'm returning, but I'm going to leave you my spirit and he will comfort you. Friends, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. If today, the godly sorrow that's stirring in you over your sin, if that is producing something in you that says, I want to get things right with God, would you respond with a simple prayer with me today? Maybe your your life was, you've been following God, but actually in the last week or two or three, you've just, there's been this disconnect. Maybe God is just stirring again, stirring up repentance in our hearts to say, God, I know I've messed up over the last couple of weeks, but I, I want to be right with you today, right now. His promise is instant. It doesn't make you hang out for it. In this moment of confession, there is freedom and healing as we walk that out. Friends, would you pray a prayer with me if that's you today? Heavenly Father, thank you for your incredible love and grace for me. Today I feel a stir in my heart a godly sorrow for the sin in my life. I choose today to respond to that feeling of repentance. And I want to turn from my old way of living. I want to live my life for you today. Jesus, please comfort me with your forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy. 